Welcome to the 10-Minute Medic, the podcast for busy paramedic students. This podcast takes one medical subject and explores it for a maximum of 10 minutes. Here's your host, Dr. Bill Young. Normally we have a a monologue with me just talking, but today we have uh, two special guests coming to us from the coast of the, of Oregon. Uh, we have Dustin Young, who is a licensed therapist in Tillamook, Oregon. And we have Nick Watts, who is a paramedic also in Oregon. And today's topic was selected by students at a university that I, that I met with not long ago, and they were looking for some uh, information on autism. So we, uh, we want to give a shout out to the students at Arkansas State University for their kind suggestion in, in doing this. So Dustin, tell us just a little bit about yourself and then we'll, uh, we'll do the same thing with, with Nick. Well, I'm a clinical social worker here in Tillamook. I work primarily with kids ages in grades kindergarten to third grade in a specialized classroom, but I also work with community mental health in various aspects, whether it's a crisis response or clinical work with kids, families, and adults here in Tillamook. And typically I work with high behavior kiddos who may have experienced trauma or may have um, various mental health diagnosis. Okay, excellent. So you're, you're working within the, the age group that, uh, that the students really were interested in learning more about. And Nick, how about you? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, my name is Nick Watts. I am, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm a paramedic and a community paramedic. I'm also the director of Augie's Hope, uh, my nonprofit for uh, uh, advocating for autism to our first responders. Outstanding, and we'll want to learn more about Augie's Hope in just a minute. Um, so let's just start with with the very basics. Uh, this this podcast is targeted at EMT and paramedic students who are in class now, so I don't make any assumptions on anything. Tell us what actually is autism. Autism is a developmental disorder, and sometimes it is compared to either having sensory sensitivity, oftentimes that's what we see. It is a developmental disorder. And so it affects the brain. It affects how we interface with the world, whether it's communication, interpersonal, but it can also bring medical challenges. And so this is actually where the mental health and the medical world often will cross over and um, collaborate. And sometimes they'll the sensory side, which when we get into Augie's Hope and some of the the resources that come for first responders, you'll see the sensory sensitivity and it could be either hyposensitive or hyper. And so you can have sensory avoidant or sensory seeking behaviors. Now, what, what do those words mean? Let's start with sensory sensitivity. What do you, what do you mean when you say that? So it might be things along the lines of sight. You can be very sensitive to different light, even light spectrums. It can be irritants um, and distressing. Sounds 
can sound very either very very loud and distressing looking at balance touch taste any of these things or even just being aware of your body in the world and so sometimes people will have difficulty with balance um those are all of the sensory sensitivities that um and smells so sometimes smells even can be a very big deal um the best descriptor that i've had is um somebody once described it as if their skin was removed and you were dipping them in lemon juice and so sometimes that very very that's raw, really pretty intense right and so sometimes people misidentify and say well they just don't feel anything the challenge is is they're trying they actually feel quite intensely and trying to decipher at the same time and so it's very overwhelming at times so would a would another way to to put that to be like quite often we'll hear a song and it'll remind us of something or we'll smell something and it'll remind us of something and we're able to kind of control that but people who have autism maybe have a negative reaction to that type of, of input uh, as far as sight, smell, or, or sound? Yeah, that's a good way to frame it. And sometimes it may look differently. Uh, thinking of autism, it's very much like a spectrum, which is why people will describe it as they're on the autism spectrum. And so there's not a clear... Um, what are you seeing there, Nick, as a... As a uh, paramedic, community paramedic, what are you seeing in your community as far as the prevalence of autism? And that's kind of the area I want to start off with, talking about what it is, how they may present, and then moving on into what EMS responders should know how to interact, what to do, and just as importantly, what not to do when interacting with a, with a patient with autism. But what, what are you seeing in your community as far as, is it a fairly common type of disorder? Not, no, not as far as EMS goes. Now, when you, you talk about law enforcement, I think that's a little bit different because they're usually called for a lot more cases like, that, it, that involved autism. We will come in secondary to law enforcement. And I, I think the real challenge with our community or any other community is is learning how to recognize autism as opposed to an addict's behavior or just a temper tantrum a, a an unruly child for no reason law enforcement quite often comes in contact with people with autism be it young or old and uh and they there's a education gap. They, they don't know how to recognize it. And once they do recognize it, they don't know how to adjust their response accordingly. So would we expect them to present? Well, they, they're going to look completely normal, but after about 30 seconds or so of watching them, you'll notice they'll avoid eye contact. They'll stem or that repeated motion, uh, whether it be rocking, hand flapping, pinching their skin, slapping their face, self-harm. They may have their hood up, sunglasses on, wearing headphones. Uh, a lot of autistic people always have headphones around their neck. And of course, in today's day, it's kind of hard to tell between the, the Beats radio 
headphones and just a pair of sensory headphones. Gotcha. Um, so it becomes a little less clear these days. There are tells, you know, and, and again, the stimming is a big one. Uh, just the out of normal behavior. And sometimes and, a blunted affect yeah, is, is a, a described. Flat affect, yeah. So how would you tell the difference between a patient with autism and say a patient that has some type other type of, of mental illness that is not autism related? Well, it's, it, that's, that's the million dollar question though, isn't it? And diagnosing this kind of thing in the field is, is the bane of everybody's existence. There are very kind of right on autism. You can't miss it. That's what they are. You can tell. And then there are, are people like my son, Augie, that, you know, he, he is very neurotypical until he has a break or a meltdown or he gets overstimulated. And then he clearly presents as someone who is autistic, but you wouldn't know just to meet him on the street. I'm very um, ignorant in this area. So what you're telling me is that a, a person with autism would present much like, just like you or I would until they simulation reaches a certain point and now as you said they they begin to have a meltdown exactly and you know whenever we can get a good history from family friends uh caregivers that's the key but just noticing the tells the the, the like i said the stimming the lack of eye contact um just not quite acting correctly the blunted affect so um, now what what do you mean by when you say stimming that's interesting that's that's the repeated no, uh, motion like rocking okay. and flapping, pinching their own face, clapping, just something they do over and over and over to help themselves self-regulate. So now, Dustin, from your perspective as a mental health professional, what is it that you see from, from your side uh, of working with kids? I know that you're working in a public school now with kids across uh, multiple disorders, but are you seeing many kids in the, uh, in the public school system? And uh, if so, what would you like for us to know as, as paramedics? I think one of the biggest things and, and some of the best experts that I've come across, because I, in the school setting, I have peripheral contact, but um, to work with special ed specialists, because those are typically the people who have had the more extensive or more exposure with kiddos in that age because of their specialized training and sometimes their one-on-one -on -one contact with kids. Using those exposures, I know that in my classroom, we love to have special guests. It's a great way to bridge introductions with kids. Now we, we live in a small community here in Tillamook and it's very much a community that wants to work, collaborate with partners. And so sometimes families have had that contact, which is actually a great preventative measure so that if you do need to have some level of response from EMS or law, those either kids and or adults, because I know we mentioned kids, but autism is not something you grow out of. And okay, so, so that's, that's a question that I was, I was interested in. Do the symptoms seem to ease off or abate as a person gets older? Do they get worse? Is there, what, what happens as a person transitions from a child into adolescence and then into adulthood? 
And we're going to pause our podcast there for this week. Next week, we're going to hear part two in which we find out a little more about what happens with autistic patients as they transition from childhood into adults, as well as some of the things that EMS should do when confronted with an autistic patient, and just as importantly, things that we should not do. Thanks for listening to the 10-Minute Medic.